in the film The Princess Bride, the fill-in Vecini continually attempts to stop a hero's pursuit of him. After each failed attempt, Vecini loudly declares that the hero's success is inconceivable. After hearing Vecini say this over and over again, one of his companions, Inigo Montoya says, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. My great fear is that the word Lord is the word that we as Christians, we as a church, keep using, but that it doesn't mean what we think it means. And there are very few concepts in the Bible more important than lordship. The earliest Christian doctrines and creeds centered around the fact that Jesus is Lord. In a church like ours, we've sung, we've sung today. We've supported the statement that Jesus is Lord. However, we have a disadvantage that I don't think we always know what it means. In fact, in our culture, we're at a distinct disadvantage at understanding what a Lord is. There aren't really anybody that we would call Lord outside of perhaps a, a church service. There's no cultural reference. If you go outside of Christian circles, certainly Lordship isn't talked about at all. We don't use the term Therefore, I think we have some difficulty understanding it. So, in order to better understand the term, we, in a way, have to go back to a time when lordship was something meaningful in order to get a better understanding of what it means. As we explore this concept of lordship, we're going to be uh, addressing three questions. The first question is, what is a lord? The second question is, who is your Lord? And the third question is, who is our Lord? What is a Lord? As we look at the text that Josh read us, I want you to know uh, that this message is environmentally friendly. Uh, that is, uh, that there is a lot of recycled material that I'm going to be using. Uh, this text is kind of an unusual text to go to to get a hold of a very important topic. And my attention was first brought to this text uh, by a little book by Andrew Murray called Absolute Surrender. And I'll be uh, stealing some of his points in, in order to give you an understanding of this passage. He points out the fact that this passage gives us a beautiful illustration of what having a Lord is. Look at the text that Josh read to us. Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his army together. Thirty-two kings were with him in horses and chariots. And he went up and closed in on Samaria and fought against it. And he sent messengers to the city to Ahab, king of Israel, and said to him, Thus says Ben-Hadad, Your silver and gold are mine. Your best wives and children are also mine. 
There's a demand here from a king to a king. He demands that he gives away his possession. He he, he comes up with an army. Uh, In a way, he's backing up his claim. He says, kind of give me this or I will take this. He makes this demand in Ahab, seeing the armies, seeing the coalition of 32 kings coming and knocking at his door, responds to Ben-Hadad. He says, and the king of Israel answered, as you say, my Lord, O king, I am yours and all that I have. He says, do with me whatever you please, take whatever I have. This is a reckless surrender. It's a wholesale abandonment to another. It's a supreme self-submission and self-subjugation to a superior. It's giving away yourself and everything you have to another. If you want to know what a Lord is, it's someone to whom you say, I am yours, and all that I have is yours. A couple of other observations as we think about lordship. One of the things that we see is lordship is exclusive. Lordship is exclusive. If lordship is saying to another, I am yours and all I have is yours, that's not really something that you can say to two different people. Now, I want to take a moment uh, to give some advice, to give some dating advice to the single ladies. I rarely give dating advice to anybody, so relish this moment. I I want you to know, ladies, if you're interested in or dating a man, and he comes to you and he says, I'm all yours, heart, mind, body, and soul, and you begin to swoon, and then he turns to the next nearest female and says, I'm also all yours, heart, mind, body, and soul, don't settle for that guy. Uh, you, You can't be romantically wholly committed to two separate people. In in the same way, you can't be wholly committed to a Lord if you have more than one. The Scriptures tell us that you cannot serve two masters. Lordship by necessity is exclusive. There can only be one to whom you say, I am yours, and all I have is yours. Lordship is exclusive. Lordship is also exhaustive. Uh, You you can't call somebody Lord and then offer half of yourself or some of your possessions to them. I I don't know a ton about this Ben-Hadad fellow, uh, but if I were a betting man, When Ben-Hadad has the 32 kings with him and he makes the demands of Ahab, king of Israel, I don't think he would respond kindly if Ahab came back and said, how about we go halvesies on it? No. Ben-Hadad is dressed and prepared for war and he is demanding submission as a lord. 
He would not be content with somebody holding back or keeping to themselves. If a Lord is someone to whom you say, I am yours and all that I have is yours, it's exhaustive. It covers all you have. Lastly, lordship is continually. Lordship is exclusive, it's exhaustive, and it's continual. Once the pledge is made, once you say, I am yours and all that I have is yours, to go back on that is rebellion. To, to go back on that is also theft. You've just given away yourself and all that you have, and to take back yourself or some of the things you have is to rob the one to whom you have pledged yourself. Lordship is exclusive. Lordship is exhaustive. Lordship is continual. I hope this gives us a little bit of a clearer picture of what a Lord is. And now that we've discussed what a Lord is, we need to address the question of who is your Lord? And we all have lords. As Bob Dylan said, you got to serve somebody. The question is not whether you will have a Lord, but who or what will become your Lord. And by the way, many people end up with lords they don't want. By the way, that's what an addiction is, isn't it? It's a Lord you don't want. When the gambling, when the drugs, when the pornography, when the alcohol gains such control over you that you say to it, I am yours and all that I have is yours. You don't want to give yourself to it. You don't want to have your possessions or your family suffer because of it, but it gains mastery and lordship over you. There are a lot of wicked lords in this world. There are a lot of things if you give them mastery over you, will lead to your destruction. In fact, Ben-Hadad is an example of a wicked Lord. I want to take a minute and compare a little bit Ben-Hadad and Jesus Christ. We have some similarities. Ben-Hadad is a Lord of Lords, and he's a King of Kings. He's got 32 other kings he has who have submitted to him. Jesus Christ is a Lord of Lord and King of Kings, reigning over all lords, reigning over all kings. Ben-Hadad takes what is not his own. Israel and its capital, Samaria, this is during the divided kingdom, does not belong to Ben-Hadad of Syria. So, as he comes up against Samaria and demands these things of this, he's taking what's not rightfully his. Christ, when He comes to claim you and to claim me, is claiming what is rightfully His. Ben-Hadad comes with a sword to destroy. Christ comes on a cross to save. Ben-Hadad destroys rebels. Jesus Christ redeems them. 
Ben-Hadad is uh, stealing the inheritance from Ahab and his offspring. Christ comes to offer us a share in his heavenly inheritance. Ben-Hadad is, is pursuing the rich and the strong so that he might benefit from their strength and riches. Christ comes after the poor and the weak that we may benefit from his strength and his riches. Christ is the Lord. He is the Lord by creation. He All things have been made by him and for him and through him and to him. He is Lord by redemption. He has bought you and he has bought me by his blood. He is Lord because he is God over all. In 1 Kings 18, 21, Elijah challenges the people. He says, how long will you go limping between two different options? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. If Jesus Christ is Lord, if Jesus Christ is God, why do we not treat him so? I hope that we become like Thomas after he sees the resurrected Lord, after he sees the wounds on Jesus' hand, after he realizes that Christ has a power of life that defeats death, Thomas declares in John 20, 28, my Lord and my God. Christ is God. Is he your Lord? Christ is Lord. He is a good Lord. I hope he is your Lord. Have you surrendered to him? Have you said to him, I am yours and all that I have is yours? I was uh, talking with Ross and, and Sarah before the message. They're reaching a point now where they're trying to figure out what's next, and the Lord has uh, started to guide them in a different direction, and they're trying to figure out what that is. He, in a way, he said it reflects the first steps they took to end up overseas. He said they heard a message from Stephen Olford at a missions conference, and Olford gave the challenge if... God asked you to go somewhere, would you say, wherever you send me, whenever you send me, and whatever you want of me, I will do it. Their journey started with a commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Is He your Lord exclusively? Does your heart and your mind and your strength and your soul serve Him and Him alone? Are you distracted by the things of this world? I'll, I'll, I'll serve him, but also uh, my business. I'll, I'll serve him, and, but also enjoy the things of this world. I'll, I'll let him take some things, but especially the messy parts. You know, those areas of my life where things aren't going well, I'll, I'll hand those over and hope he fixes them up. But the things that are going well, I, I want to maintain control over those. I like the way they're organized. You must have one Lord, 
without division over your life? Is He Lord exhaustively over your life? Have you given it all to Him? Are there parts of your life where you've said, Lord, you can have everything except my marriage? Lord, you can have everything except my leisure. Lord, you can have everything except my kids. Lord, you can have everything except my retirement. Lord, you can have everything except my future or my career or my health. You can have everything except fill in the blank. Give yourself. Give all of yourself. Give everything you have to Him. Is He your Lord continually? There might have been a time when you had some sort of spiritual revival or awakening. Maybe you went to a camp or a conference, and afterwards you felt very excited and you committed, ah, Jesus is my Lord. I'm going to serve Him and submit to Him. I'm going to put everything under His control, and then slowly as life goes on, you stop seeking Him as much. You stop submitting to Him as frequently. You started taking over on the various areas of your life you had once handed to Him. And now you're functioning largely without regard to Him or His Lordship. A servant always returns to his master for instruction. A soldier continually listens for the next commands. Jesus Christ is Lord yesterday, today, and forevermore. That means we must continually submit to Him, worship Him, honor Him, love Him, thank Him as our Lord. If you're in this camp, I want you to remind you that He is a loving and a merciful Lord. He's a Lord who's a good shepherd that pursues the lost sheep. He's a caring and concerned father who welcomes back the prodigal son and rejoices at his returning. Jesus is Lord. Make him your Lord. Make him your Lord exclusively. Make him your Lord exhaustively. Make him your Lord continually. Now, some of you might think that's kind of a scary thing to do. That, that, that brings up some fear and trepidation. You might, he, he might make me do something radical. Uh, by the way, you might have the opposite fear. You might have the fear that he might make you do something ordinary. If you su surrender to another, it means he can do with you what he pleases. You might be afraid he's going to send you to Nambia, but he might send you to the nursery instead. By the way, most of what He's commanded and required of you has already been given. It's already been received. Are we listening to His instruction? Are we taking His command seriously? In Luke 6.46, Jesus, in the midst of His ministry, begins to kind of call some people out. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? and not do what I tell you to. He's saying, well, what you're saying and the way you're living isn't lining up. 
He says, uh, you know, if, you're, if I'm really your Lord, if you really mean that, you ought to obey my commands. You ought to listen to what I have told you. When Ahab re- responds to Ben-Hadad, he says, as you say, whatever you command, I do. Whatever you ask, I give. Jesus, in asking, why do you say, Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you to? If Inigo Montoya was summarizing it, he'd say, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. There's freedom in having Christ as the Lord as well. Freedom in Christ doesn't mean being free from all masters and lords. It does not mean radical independence. It means being free to serve the one true Lord and to be under the law of Christ. True freedom freedom is found in and under law. Uh, In fact, if I gave you two countries and I said, in one country there's absolutely no laws and no one enforces them, and in another country there are good laws that are well enforced, in which country do you think you would find more freedom? There's freedom in Christ. There's freedom in submission to Him as Lord. There's wholeness when He is your Lord. Every other Lord will diminish you and make you less of yourself. Christ is the one who created you, and you were created for Him. As you enter into a relationship with Him under His Lordship, you will become more and more yourself, not less and less yourself. There's freedom. There is joy in and under Christ. Jesus is Lord. Make Him your Lord. Make Him your Lord exclusively. Make Him your Lord exhaustively. Make Him your Lord continually. There's something I want you to pray starting today. I've been praying it for a while. It's a hard thing to pray every day, but it's an important thing to pray. Pray, Jesus, I am yours and all that I have is yours. We've discussed the question, what is a Lord? We've asked the question, who is your Lord? The third question I'd like to address is, who is our Lord? A pile of bricks and lumber is not a building. The bricks have to be joined and the lumber has to be framed. The pieces have to be built up into a whole. I don't want us just to be a group of people who join together and each of us individually declares that Jesus is our Lord. This would be the church existing as a pile of bricks. No, we have to be joined together. We have to be united together under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is what binds us together. We serve the same master. We have allegiance to the same Lord. We serve the same Savior. We may have different jobs. We may have different politics. We may attend different schools. We may root for even different football teams. We may live in different neighborhoods or different countries. 
We may have different ethnicities. We may have grown up in different areas. But what binds us together is not that we like the same type of worship music, not that we enjoy the same type of sermonic stylings, or that we like the particular outreach or type of ministry a church has. No. What binds us together is that Jesus Christ is our Lord. We are united because we love and serve the same Lord. And because we love and serve the same Lord, we love and serve one another. I I want you to take a minute and imagine something for me. I I want you to imagine not just an individual saying, I am yours and all that I have is yours, but a whole congregation that can say with a united voice together, we are all yours and all that we have is yours. By the way, this reality of Christ's lordship should guide all we do as a church. In worship, we praise our Lord and we thank Him for His goodness, His greatness, His grace. In discipleship, we teach people who their Lord is, how to abide in His grace, how to follow His commands. In missions and evangelism, we declare that Jesus is Lord to those who have not yet received Him as their Lord. This runs in and through all that we do as a church. My mom and my aunt uh, came over the other day. My mom called me and she she said, I've got some steaks, I think thanks to Bill Bateman who gave them to her, and she says, I got some steaks. If I bring the steaks, will you cook them for us? I said, that's an offer I can't refuse. Uh, Now, I I use, uh, to cook, I use lump, charcoal, and uh, I usually throw in a bit of mesquite for flavor. Uh, Since we're in barbecue country, I give these details because they're pertinent to some of you. Now, one of the things that happens, though, when you, when you cook with charcoal is, many of you have noticed this, if you take a really hot coal, even from the center of the fire, even from the warmest place, and you place it off by itself, it grows cool quickly. If, on the other hand, you, you, you take a charcoal from the outside and put it in the center The heat from the other coals warms and strengthens it. Saints, the the church should be a furnace in which all Christians are stoked and warmed in the love and devotion to our Lord. If you're cool towards the Lord, draw near to those who are not. Catch fire and warm others. I can't think of anything, I can't think of anyone more worthy to dedicate your life to than Jesus Christ. I see no other purpose for the people of God than to be led by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is Lord of lords. He is King of kings. He is worthy of all praise and honor forevermore.